Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode, and I'm really excited. Actually, I have a brand new guest with me today. Um, you can probably hear the smile in my voice because Ty, Bor- and Ty, your last name is pronounced Borns, is that correct? Bornez. Bornez. Man, I, I got it all wrong this time. We were actually talking about pronunciation of names before we got started. Uh, so thanks for the correction and clarification. And I, I was talking with Ty actually on video before we got started. And I'm kind of bummed that we don't get to have a video conversation. Ty has one of the most contagious smiles of, of the guests that I've had on the show to date. It's awesome. Um, so anyway, thanks, Ty, for coming on the show and being willing to share with our community today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. We managed to kind of work through some some tech issues before we got started too. You know, it's one of those things, I mentioned this from time to time, but I, I kind of wish that we had, like we created a, an additional bit of content for all the shows that we did, like the pre-recording conversations. It might be kind of entertaining, uh, but we got it all dialed in and we're ready to go. And I guess we're just going to jump straight into my first question, Ty, which has to do with brand position. Uh, first of all, to kind of set up the question, what market are you based in currently? Woodbridge, Virginia. In Virginia. Okay, cool. And and you say we, I have to mention for further context for everybody listening in, Ty is photographing and, and working, running this business with Taniqua, her sister. And if you go to classandstyleproductions.com, just like it sounds, there on the homepage, if you scroll down, you actually see a picture of the of the duo. Great picture, by the way. And um, you. and you can you can get to know a little bit more about the business there. But speaking of Ty, you mentioned the type of photography that you do, but I'm curious there in Virginia and in your marketplace, is there a particular brand position, a, a selling point, if you will, for your business that enables you to stand out from the rest? I would say our ability to capture our clients at their best using our photography and cinematography expertise to ensure their memories are treasured and shared for generations to come. And you talk about capturing their best. Um, this is something that can be a little bit challenging as photographers, right? I shot weddings for about 10 years, so I know what this is like, especially if you're photographing somebody who's not comfortable in front of the camera. How do you, is there a particular tip or technique suggestion that you can give to some of our photographer listeners that you or your sister use to help kind of pull the best out, to get the best of the personality of the people that you're photographing? Well, I would suggest doing an engagement session so you have a rapport with the couple before the wedding. So that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable around you yeah. and less uh, afraid of the camera. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I fully agree with you. I used to shoot uh, weddings, as I mentioned, and, and I photographed engagement sessions for most of those. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity to to first of all, get to know the client, right? Because if they're comfortable with you, that that enables them to be more comfortable in front of the camera. But then they also get a feel for what it's like to be photographed by you, what that that whole flow is like. And I don't know about you, Ty, but 
if if I had the opportunity to photograph an engagement session, the day of the wedding, I, it enabled me to move a lot more quickly with my client, with the couple, because they knew how I worked. Does that have you found the same thing? Yes, I have. There has been instances where we didn't shoot an engagement session. So we like to schedule video consultations with our couples. Okay. So that way we that's another tool to build a rapport and to make sure a good fit for our potential clients. Yeah. It, it, it's funny you mentioned video conference, uh, or I guess maybe not even so funny. You know, it's it's funny in the sense that we're so used to video conferences these days. I mean, it, it's it's almost become a meme in and of itself, right? We're always jumping on Zoom for conferences, for meetings. If we have kids, kids are getting on, on Zoom for school because of COVID. Is there something that you do even in those Zoom conferences that allows you to get to know the clients a little bit more effectively, despite the fact that you're not in front of them? We have questions like, how did they meet? How was the proposal done? I forget what else, but those are the top two to kind of get to know them better. That makes sense. More background information. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Those questionnaires are super important and digging in. And you're right that it, it, even if they're basic questions, just to get some basic information from them, it might help encourage more conversation. Um, set the tone for the conversation, which is great. Okay. Well, I want to keep going. We're talking about customer interaction and ultimately customer experience just now. What would you say is one of the most important principles that you and your sister have learned about providing a wonderful customer experience? Oh, I would have to go back to building a rapport with our clients. The best way to ensure that you execute their vision Absolutely. And when you talk about building a rapport, I mean, there's a certain amount of comfortability that's developed, right? Uh, yes. But is there is there something to be said, too, for learning, especially if you have the opportunity to do an engagement session, for learning what they're comfortable with in front of the camera? Do you, do you learn, I mean, do you pose certain clients differently than others? What does that look like? Well, yes, you want your poses to look flattering on all your clients. So if you notice, maybe they're, they feel more comfortable being photographed on one side, you shoot them from that side. Or if maybe somebody's, some people may be like, oh, what about my weight? So we can use different poses to make it not noticeable sure. and they'll be more comfortable with their pictures. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of that's just centered in conversation. Right. And, and again, I, ha- I have to say this, I don't want to make you uncomfortable by emphasizing this too much, but you've got such a great smile. And I think part of, part of what makes your smile so great is that it feels genuine and, and that might sound odd, but you know, I, I've been in the industry 20 years and I've interacted with, of course, tons and tons of photographers over the years at conferences uh, certainly gobs of clients in person, my day-to-day interaction, whether I'm just going to the store or to the gym or whatever it might be. Unfortunately, it's not the norm for people to be genuine uh, in their smile, certainly in the tone of voice that they use and ultimately in their conversation. Uh, I can only imagine that you really help set your clients at ease because you're so genuine. And then as a result of that, I, I think that helps make it easier for you to get to know the clients. It helps ease their fears and concerns being in front of the camera. I think it's a really great, really a, a great environment that you're creating for them. 
And so I have to give you props for that too. But (laughs) I want to keep going because we have something else that we got to dig into here, something that we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast, which has to do with time, time management, ultimately creating free time for ourselves as business owners. Is there a particular tip or technique idea that has enabled you to stay centered, to ultimately create freedom for yourself as a business owner? I would say the only tip is trying to stick to your business hours. I know that that's easier said than done. Sure. You can find yourself consumed with editing emails and contracts, but you have to set time aside to decompress and have time for ourselves and family and friends. So it's not you're just consumed with work. So what do business hours look like for you? Because I know it it varies pretty widely from photographer to photographer. We try to say nine to five, but it may go nine to seven. (laughs) 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 And how do you like, how do you break your day up? I'm kind of curious. Like if you were just to take a day in the life of the Bornez sisters, what would that look like when it comes to running your business? Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, okay. so I have to do business and editing when my daughter is probably taking a nap yep. or entertained watching YouTube or her cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> That's super funny. I remember, how old is your daughter, did you say? She's three years old. Three, okay, yeah. So I remember my son is is now, I have a son and daughter. My son is in college, and uh, so he's 18 currently, but... When, when he was, I'd have to say, between two and three, so about the same age, um, I remember, first of all, like when, when he went from taking two naps to one nap a day, I just like, I tried to stretch that as far as I could, as much as I could to get him, you know, taking that second nap because it gave me extra time. Right. Um, but then if he was up, the, the, you talk about cartoons, Finding Nemo was, was a, a cartoon <laughs> movie, of course, that... Um, that was a favorite of his that would play over and over and over again uh, in the background. There were uh, there's at least one other that he watched as well, but I, I totally know what that's like. How how many hours would you say being a stay at home mom that you actually have in that nine to five or nine to seven time frame that you're actually able to dedicate to work? Maybe half that's maybe a good five hours. Yeah. Like if I get if I get up before she gets up, I can do some work or like I said, when she takes a nap or sometimes I have to wait until I actually put her to bed at night and then I can edit. Cause I have, I don't have, I, f- I have free time to actually dedicate to editing instead of keep popping up cause she's hungry or, or change this. Or, you know. Sure. No, I totally understand. So, okay. We'll, we'll call it five hours. Right. Um, but I, I'm, I know I'm digging a little bit here, but I'm curious because we don't have the opportunity to have this conversation with photographers that much. I, I'm curious, you know, workflows is a, is a I'm a bit of a, a workflow nerd, if you will. And so I really enjoy figuring out what works and how to be able to not only get things done, but ultimately have that, that freedom. So when you have five hours worth of time, how do you break that up? Like what are you allocating a certain amount of that time to email and is others other hours allocated to editing like what's the breakup for that five five hours the start of the day it could be emails sending out contracts and invoices i usually do that first because uh, i know it may take me more time to edit pictures i i do the majority of the photography editing okay so you, you're talking about email basically admin work you do right. that first time first thing in the day 
Um, that way your clients are getting taken care of immediately or potential clients getting taken care of immediately. And then you go to editing. So would you say that that's kind of how the day is broken up between admin tasks, uh, communication and, and editing? Yes. And do you allocate any time to marketing specifically or is there most of your, most of your business just coming word of mouth? A majority of us, our jobs have come word, word of mouth. Okay. We are working to do more marketing by posting more on social media as far as marketing. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, first of all, major props to you that you're able to run a business just based on word of mouth. It says a lot about your network and ultimately the the work that you're doing with your existing clients. So I think that's really great. And it does give you a little more freedom, right? And and even flexibility and budget if you don't have to worry about paying for ads somewhere, whether it's on Facebook or otherwise. Um, right. That's pretty great as well. Has that really been the case since the beginning, since you first started shooting? Yes. Our first job came from my sister's coworker. We shot their wedding at her grandparents' house and the wedding was in the front, reception in the back. <laughs> a lot, or my sister's church, we've shot a lot of weddings or baby uh, newborn sessions for the congregation. Or we both served in the army doing photography and videography. So a lot of our uh, battle buddies, they'll refer us to people that they know are getting married or maternity session or newborn session. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing network to build from too, right? I mean, the, the level of camaraderie yes. innate to being in the military together is, is, I mean, I don't personally have experience, but from what I understand is quite significant. Yes, it is. Now that's wonderful. How, how long were you in the military? I did eight years, six active duty, two reserves, and my sister did six active duty. Wow. Okay. And you mentioned being photographer, videographers in the military as well. Yes. What, what did that look like? Well, it's more uh, retirement ceremonies, shooting training, uh, promotion ceremonies. Okay. You know, it's totally different from civilian photography and videography. <laughs> so kind of a, a combination of journalism and marketing. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Well, I want to get back to this conversation about, about time management. And, it, and it's kind of cool that you had that introduction to photography in the military, able to carry that into business. You started this business, you're learning how to kind of balance it all, certainly manage time more effectively. And of course, an important part of that has that, that, aspect of time management is delegation, learning to hand over certain tasks in your business to somebody else. Of course, you work with your sister, so there's a benefit there too. But do you outsource or delegate work outside of your business to other companies, other individuals? And if so, what does that look like for you? No, we don't outsource. We pretty much delegate to each other what we're better at. Yeah. So, like I said, I do the photography editing. She does the videography editing. I send out the contracts and emails and invoices. She'll look up locations for our sessions and events for us to attend, to practice our craft, and to mingle with other photographers and videographers. How did you how did you figure out what or what responsibility I guess which person should take? What, was that a process or did you kind of know off the bat? We kind of knew off the bat who's what's your strong suit or what you're better at, so we just handed over. <laughs> like, 
That's great, though. And, and it, it probably it kind of helps minimize conflict, I would assume, too. You know, regardless of whether you're working with family or friends or just an employee, they're, you're not always going to agree on everything. But when you're focusing your efforts on the things that you know you're good at and you respect the same thing about the other person, it probably helps minimize conflict, right? Of course. <laughs> that's, that's a big, big uh, thing, especially yes. for the longevity of the business. Right. That's great. Well, I want to jump to the next question and and I'll break the fourth wall here a little bit. You and I were talking before we got started um, about educational content. You mentioned to me uh, the the Flurn platform. And for anybody who is not familiar with Flurn, uh, they have a a super popular YouTube channel. In fact, we actually had Aaron Nace on the podcast, the book of podcasts back in episode 386. Um, this came out back in May. And so for anybody who hasn't heard that episode, we'll link to that episode in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But what do you like about Florentine? Well, I like the way he explains the videos. I mean, well, he does the background, then he jumps into editing. He sets it step by step. And I've been able to follow step by step and to reenact the technique that I watch. So that's a great learning tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and by the way, for anybody who's curious, if you just go to Flurn and it's spelled P-H-L-E-A-R-N.com, you can search the same thing on YouTube and find probably just endless amounts of content there. Right. The homepage, it says learn Photoshop, Lightroom, photography, and more. We educate and empower creatives to live their dreams. And, um, but the, the quality of the production of that content is pretty impressive, right? Yes, it is. It very, I mean, like I said, so detailed. And the videos, they're not too long either. So you don't have to feel like, oh God, I have to watch this long video <laughs> yep. just to do this technique. <laughs> yes. It's funny you say that because um, I, I don't spend as much time on YouTube at the moment, but uh, for a while there, I spent quite a bit of time on YouTube consuming a variety of content. And if I saw a video, particularly a, a educational or tutorial video related to photography or editing, I would, I would add it to my watch list to watch later. Right. And, and then I would look at my watch list and I'd see that video was, you know, 20 minutes long or 25 minutes long or whatever. And that, that would just kind of tend to make me procrastinate. Like just not, I don't want to watch that right now. It's too long. Let me go to something that's shorter, easier. Um, and so I think that's actually a really great point. The fact that the, the content is easily consumable because it's not too long. It is the production value is high. It's easy to follow. And right. uh, so we'll make sure to link to both Flurn and then their YouTube channel as well in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And I, I appreciate you bringing up that platform. I think that's really great. I wanted to get into our main conversation today, though. And, you know, I, I was asking kind of leading up to we were talking about the possibility of doing a podcast episode together. And I was asking the most important lessons you've learned uh, as a photographer that you'd like to share with other photographers. And there were two big ideas that came up. One was the significance of knowing your worth. And then secondly, ways to continue to improve our craft. Because I- I'll just add here, I think, you know, it's one thing if we, if we're confident in ourselves and our worth, 
there's some instances where that kind of comfortability or even ego, it goes to the extent of ego, can keep us from pushing to continue to get better. So I think it's important that you mention not only the significance of knowing your worth, but also continuing to improve. But let's start with the idea of worth. I want to get your take on this, Ty. Why is it so easy to question our worth as individuals and as photographers? Well, I would say due to the amount of photographers, it's probably easy to question your worth or want to compare yourself to someone else. And do you, I mean, that comparison process, what does that look like for you? I mean, do you, do you tend to compare what you're seeing uh, on social media with your work or is there some other way that you're, that you're making that comparison? I mean, yes, you when you're on social media, you see different f- photos or education or ads, and you're probably like, wow, why can't I do that? But <laughs> you just have to stay in your lane, know your worth, be confident in your skills and your ability to deliver amazing products to your client, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. There are, and you're you're right. You pointed out that there are so many photographers. I mean, there are thousands of photographers just in the U.S. market. So, right. and of course, we have such easy access to those photographers via, via social media and the internet. And then that's just in the U.S. And of course, it, it stretches beyond that. There are so many wedding and portrait photographers out there. Tons of so-called competition, or at least uh, hopefully inspiration. Um, right. And it is very easy to compare as a result. I, I wonder though, and I, I'm a bit of a psychology nerd as well, so I'm, I'm fascinated by this stuff, but why do you think it is that in many cases, I mean, I, I scroll from time to time, I don't spend a ton of time on Facebook, from time to time I look through Facebook or even on Instagram and you see this kind of tendency that photographers or just people in general tend to have to almost immediately assume that they are less than. And I'm not encouraging anybody to have a massive ego by any means, but I wonder why it's almost like default. Like we start at this place where we feel kind of terrible about ourselves and we have to figure out how to work our way out from that feeling. Why do you think that's the case? Well, I could say it will, and many people that questioning or comparing comes yeah. from like elementary, middle school, high school. Yeah. So that never goes away. So that's why I said you just have to focus on yourself, mm. know what you're able to do, mm. and improve your skills so you can be like the people you probably like, wow, I wish I can do that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned the significance of our childhood, how that affects our perspective about ourselves, right? I mean, I could I absolutely agree with that because I still have to kind of fight some of those tendencies that are driven by childhood experiences. Uh, Tony Robbins, I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins because of the way that that he teaches psychology ultimately. And one of the things that he talks about is the significance of how we make associations with experiences. And then ultimately that we, it's on us to give meaning to the experiences that we have. And we can give a really negative meaning and feel terrible about it because of this experience that we had. This means this, right? And in and, and the context of our conversation, it's somebody said this, or I did this thing, or I had this experience. And so, uh, man, I must be a pretty crappy person. And that's a bit simplistic, but that's kind of the negative thought process. Or 
hey, somebody said this, and they actually have a really good point about this particular aspect of me. And so I have the opportunity now to, to step up and improve on that, to get better, right? That's an example of how we put a positive spin on something. We give a positive association to an experience. What do you think about that concept? The, the significance of our ability to choose the meaning that we associate with experiences in our lives. I totally agree. Like, like even when you get um, ratings from your clients yeah. and you're not going to always get a five-star review, you may get a two and you're going to get mad and it's going to bother you. Like what they're saying about me and my work and it, you, you can't, you have to just look past that sure. and look at all the good reviews and knowing that you know what you can do. Yeah. And, and perspective is a lot too, right? It, it's a pretty big piece of this. I mean, when we look at the feedback that we might get from somebody, if we're getting feedback from, especially those who decide to bash us for whatever reason, if, if we're getting that kind of feedback from somebody who didn't actually make the attempt to, to have the full experience of our business, for example, they just decided to write us off immediately, or it's somebody that doesn't know us from anyone and doesn't have any perspective about who we actually are as individuals, and yet they're commenting on who we are as a person and how terrible we are. A little bit of perspective, realizing that they're disconnected from that, from everything that's going on in our business and who we are personally can help us kind of step beyond that negative feedback. There are instances, though, where, to your point, we get feedback from clients who maybe weren't terrible clients, they just weren't happy with the experience. And we have the opportunity at that point to take and learn from that particular situation. And that's, again, putting that positive spin on it. Uh, right. I would say don't take it personal. Yeah. It uses it as a learning tool on how to improve for the next client so you won't receive another negative review. Yeah. That, that, why do you think we take things personally? What What is that about? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like... We feel like attacked or defensive yeah. about us and our business and our work. Mm. And I think that's the the majority of it, what we take it so personal. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times I know from personal experience, when, when I take something personally, I realize that so much of that and probably many, if not most cases is associated with some insecurity that I have. And mm -hmm. so ultimately the fact that I made such a big deal about this, this, what what I label as an attack um, and, and what I'm feeling so terrible about, it's really just a, a result of my insecurities and, and giving way too much credit to, right. to what's being said. We can, we can choose to move beyond that if we're self-aware enough to see that, right? That, but it's all yes. about that perspective in the end. Well, that's really good. So I, I'm, I'm curious then on a very kind of proactive level, practical level, when it comes to this idea of worth, what are three specific lessons or principles that you've learned that have helped you feel more confident in your worth as a business owner and a photographer? The first one, I would say, don't be afraid to take charge when you're getting the images the clients want. Like take charge, whether it's a portrait session, wedding session, because it's your job to execute what they want. And if they look at the pictures like, well, that's not what I wanted. So you should have took charge, like pose this way or stop. Let me get this picture and to get to get the vision done. When we talk about this idea of taking charge, is it what's the opposite of that? Like what what's something that photographers do? They just kind of let it happen. They don't they don't take responsibility for for making that vision happen. 
Well, I mean, I know I've seen it, whether you attending a wedding and you see the photographer, videographer, and you're probably like, well, why are they doing it like that? Or even a style shoot, you see the ones that are taking charge, they get their shot. And then it's kind of the ones in the back who are not saying much and just taking whatever picture. And they, they're not necessarily happy with what they got because they didn't speak of or direct the client or the, the subject to get the picture that they want that will satisfy them and the client. So you've, you just got to own it and you got to take charge and step right. out and make it happen. <laughs> right. Okay. So don't be afraid to take charge. That's the first principle. Right. What's the next right. one? I would also say ensure your clients or your subjects are comfortable with the poses you give them because it will show in their images. Are there, are there certain things that you're doing? I know you mentioned the engagement session earlier. What is the interaction? Can you go into a little bit more detail and just describe what the interaction during the engagement session looks like? Or if you don't have the chance to to photograph an engagement session for them. That first time that you're working with them on the wedding day, are there certain things that you're doing in the conversation and the way that you're guiding them that helps them feel more comfortable? Well, you know, we like to like laugh, joke, or, you know, like when you want to get a nice romantic picture, you'd be like, oh, whisper something in his ear. And, you know, either you'll get a nice big laugh or a serious, like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, like I said, you know, usually weddings, you want them to be all affectionate and kissing and all over each other. But you, some couples are not like that. So when you tell them, oh, kiss them or hold them and they, they look awkward, you'd be like, no, okay, well, you guys interact like how you normally do. And then I'll, I'll just take pictures and, and shoot around you. So that's what I mean about them feeling comfortable because some people may not want to smile in every picture yeah. or kiss and be all up on each other. Sure. So do you just want your client or your subject to be comfortable with whatever pose that they're doing and will be satisfied and blown away when they see their final product. That's interesting. Yeah, that's such a great point. You can't expect everybody just to follow this cookie cutter approach right. that you're taking as a photographer. That's that's really, really great. So, okay, but let me ask you this, though. I, I want to push back a little bit because I, I there's a, I, what I have seen a lot from photographers is you, you hear them use the phrase, it sounds something like, okay, act like you like each other or okay. Just, <laughs> act like you love each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something to that effect. It's a very vague kind of general statement, right? So, um, and, and the problem with that is some clients, sure, they're they're going to know what to do with that and they're they're cool with it. And, and next thing you know, you've got these beautiful images and really genuine interaction. But then some clients, if you give them very general instruction, like, OK, be just be yourself, be the way that you normally are. I don't know if, if everybody would know what to do with that. How, how do you how do you make sure that that translates then to posing that results in great imagery? Right. I understand. Like some people, they love taking pictures. So when you give them a cue like that, they'll just take it and run with it. Sure. And some people who aren't comfortable in front of the camera, they'll just stand there like, what do you want me to do? So <laughs> that's why, like I said, you have to go back to finding out their comfortable 
their comfortability level and like, well, how do you normally pose or what would you do if you're taking a selfie or a picture with somebody and kind of figure out to base the pose off of that. So it's not like they're they're stepping too far out of their comfort zone. Yeah, that's and it comes back to that communication piece, right? You right. just have to have conversation and, right. and hopefully you made the time, like Ty is suggesting, to to have an engagement session, a portrait session, just a quick casual session prior to that wedding day, because it really can make a difference in their comfortability right. in front of the camera. Okay, so the first point say, Oh, oh go ahead, please. Now I was gonna say my last point is being personable when interacting with your clients and your subjects. You don't want it to come off like you're just there to do a job and you're not about um going above and beyond to make sure you're capturing their wonderful memories. Let me ask you about this idea of being personable because I, I know it comes natural for you. I've I've seen that, but <laughs> it, with with a lot of photographers, the thing that I hear, and we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast because I think it's important to discuss. We, I keep hearing over and over again, "I'm an introvert," right? Um, mm-hmm. And and I I totally get the the idea, the concept. I have felt similarly, so I'm I'm certainly not downplaying it. But the reality is, if we're going to have conversation with people that we don't know, i.e., our clients or potential clients. Uh, we want to develop relations with, relationships with them. We can't just hide in a shell. We have to to come out of that and be willing to engage. And to your point, Ty, because I'm I'm 110% in agreement with you here. I think you know certainly running a great business, but ultimately just enjoying life in general more. A big part of that is being willing to be vulnerable and to be uh, personable. Right. And yet it takes a bit of effort, especially when, when, you know, we, like we're, we're so taxed interacting with so many different clients and then we have friends and then we have family. There's so many people that we're giving so much to. How do you, how do you make sure that you are truly being personal? You're not just putting on a show. You're not just putting on a smile for the sake of the shoot that you're doing, but that they're actually seeing genuine kindness from you. Well, I mean, well, as you can see, I am uh, like personable, laughing, yeah. you know, hey, how are you doing? So that's just my natural personality when meeting clients, like, hey, how are you? Or if I see, oh, you, you know, I like this, that's beautiful, or I like your smile, or, you know, just, or, or even encouraging words while you're taking the pictures also helps and gives them the confidence when posing. And I, you, you mentioned the interaction with the clients while you're photographing or while you're posing them. I, I definitely agree that complimenting them, engaging with them, and specifically complimenting them during that experience makes a really big difference. I, you know, there, it, it's funny how, and, and sad really, at the end of the day, how little people are used to getting genuine compliments, whether it's from right. their personal friends or family or anybody else for that matter. So when they sense that you are genuinely complimenting them and they hear that in the tone of your voice, they see it in your eyes and your smile, man, it, it really makes a big difference, helps them relax a little bit more. Right. Take that their tension. guard down a little yeah, bit. <laughs> absolutely. That's really good. Okay. So I, I wrote down three points here. Don't be afraid. So, and, and actually I have to add a little bit of a caveat here too, because, you know, I asked you about being confident in your worth as a business owner and photographer. 
And and I love that you went, uh, my natural expectation there is that we're going to kind of dig into the psychology of it, right? Like, what do you think about in order to, that enables you to be able to be confident in yourself? But what you've demonstrated here in your answers has really more to do with the environment that you're creating for your clients, which results in a level of confidence as a photographer. But it's It starts with, you got to just go get the job done, um, which I think is really great. So you said, don't be afraid to take charge. Uh, the second yes. point was, don't be afraid to to guide the clients, like proactively guide the clients. And yes. then, and thirdly, um, I and I, I've, I'm following the uh, the don't be afraid line of thinking here. Don't be afraid to be personable, right. um, because that really does make all the impact in the world. And doing these things will result in happier clients, which will result in better pictures, which will certainly bump our confidence up. I, it's funny that I think. We expect to feel a certain emotion before doing something. And a lot of times it's the doing the thing that will result in the emotion, in this case, the confidence. Right. And so I, I love your spin on this. I think it's great. So let me, let me get to one more question, though. We talk about you know, this idea of keeping an open mind for the sake of improvement. Uh, right. You mentioned the two big ideas where, where, that, that you wanted to share with photographers, knowing their worth, but then secondly, to continue to learn ways to improve. So look for opportunity to improve. And if we get stuck or stagnant as business owners and photographers, our businesses can easily go downhill. It really is super important that we keep an open mind um, to growth, to change. What are three specific ways that you have continued personally to improve your craft as a photographer? Well, first, I would like to mention our great mentor, Chip Duzard. Shout out to he Chip. He helped us with our business, like setting up the business side and with shooting. Also, I have taken an in-person editing class with Taylor Brumford. Um, she introduced me to the Wacom editing and I would never edit the old school way again help save your wrists I've also watched tons of YouTube videos to practice my craft um, we attended Hustle and Hills 2.0 conference yes where we met amazing uh, photographers and we still keep in contact with them we even did Michelle she or offer her day pricing and website um, video consultation last year and we kept in contact with Rikwita Henderson, Ashley Kanai, and before she passed away, Anisha Collins. These were people we can bounce off ideas or ask questions to. We also have taken the mastermind course with Dr. Tamaya Colvin we are also part of photography groups that help us to see how different people shoot or can ask questions about business or shooting. The Black Female Photographers Group, M. Harris Hustlers, and Tamaya Colvis Education. We have attended and even hosted our own style shoot to practice our craft. Wow. I mean, this is a, a wonderful list. <laughs> and a I long, know, right? Well, no, but it's really, truly, it's impressive. And, and you know, the, again, the reality is it's easy to kind of sit back. If we get some kind of momentum going, our business is running, we're like, oh, we're making this work. I'm making a living. Uh, I'm doing okay. It, you, you can get stuck there. 
And next thing you know, technology comes along, industry practices shift, and we may put ourselves in a pretty bad spot if we're not only keeping up, but then proactively trying to better ourselves, educate ourselves, make the right connections. And um, first of all, I think it's really cool that almost every single person you've mentioned, we've actually had here on the Boca podcast, too many right now to, to go back and list all the individual episodes. But Haley, who produces our show, she'll make sure to link to those various episodes in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. I have to give Tamaya a hard time because I've tried to reach out to her more than once and get her on the show. I know she's super busy with a variety of things. Haven't had her on the show yet. Maybe one of these days we will. But literally, I think everybody else you mentioned we've had in the show now. Uh, which is pretty cool. And and I think Chip's case, well, certainly twice at the very least. So pretty exciting. But, you know, you you mentioned if if I were to kind of categorize or organize what you were saying into a couple of big takeaways. I mean, the the first thing was that you learn from others. You mentioned all those individual photographers that you've had the opportunity to learn from. Um, You've learned from video content. We talked about Flern earlier. Yes. You mentioned the conferences, which um, certainly there's there's so much to be taken away from conferences, not just in the content, but in the interaction and the development of relationships with other photographers, which is super important. Um, and I can't stress that enough. I've been in the industry for almost two decades, and and you know the probably the biggest value add as far as my career goes is relationships. And and we really, as cliche as that might sound, we cannot underestimate the significance of developing relationships. And and certainly then there's opportunity to learn from those people that we develop relationships with. Super important. Um, so you, know, you, you, you are learning from others and doing a lot in that regard. But then you mentioned at, at the end there how you've also hosted your own shooting workshop. And um, you've had the opportunity not only to share with others, but potentially learn from others in that experience as well. What did that look like? How, how did you host that sh- that workshop? And ultimately, what were the biggest takeaways from that that shooting workshop or the styled shoot for you? Well, my sister and I, we attended a couple of style shoots that way to practice our craft and to have pictures for our portfolio. And some things we did like, some things we didn't like. Yeah. And so we were like, you know what? We should host our own. So for February, Black History Month, we hosted our own with two different themes. And a majority of the vendors were African-American. And we invited a couple photographers, but you don't want too many uh, photographers at a cell shoot because they can get hectic and everybody's trying to get their shot. 100%. (laughs) Totally true. But our main goal was to help other photographers because we know how it is being in that situation where you want to learn and come away with pictures you could use for your portfolio. You don't want to feel like you wasted your time or your money when attending style shoots. The style shoot has been published twice for two different um, websites. And it's also doing a printed publication that was supposed to come out in October, but due to COVID, is that's going to be put on hold. But I mean, it was a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving parts, but it it turned out great. And we got pictures for our portfolio and we were helped, we're able to help the fellow photographers come away with pictures that they use as well. 
Well, you know, I, I love that you're already making the effort to try to help the other or to help others, other photographers in the industry, to help the industry, to give back to the industry already early on in your career. You know, it's we mentioned the significance of learning from others and all the different ways you're doing that, but ultimately then learning by helping others and by giving to others, I think that's also a really wonderful opportunity and says a lot about your maturity and your perspective. And I think that's very important. Um, when you first start off, you may find it hard to go up to somebody and ask them. And some people may act like they're giving up government secrets and they don't want to <laughs> share information. Yeah, yeah. So anytime I meet somebody, I'll tell them, look, you know, look up to my, she has education. We got the mentorship. You go on YouTube, YouTube University with Flarn or whoever else, just do whatever you can to improve your craft. So I share any information. I don't I don't know, keep it to myself. I mean, to me, making yourself better is helping others. Hmm. I, I mean, it's a, a big thing to me. It's a win win. And, and you're right. You can kind of do both at the same time. You can you can yes. learn, you can grow and help others all at the same time. And that's really the wonderful thing about our, our photography industry, I think, is, um, you know, with a few exceptions here and there, people seem to genuinely so much of the time want to help and, and are willing to share and uh, we've got some really great communities that are definitely geared in that way. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I, really, I think that's a great way to wrap up our conversation, too. And I want to encourage everybody listening in. If you're not uh, attending conferences and making connections with individual photographers and consuming some of the wonderfully produced and ultimately free content that you can find on YouTube or elsewhere, uh, take advantage of those resources to continue to push yourself to grow. Because the reality is you don't know everything. And on the other side of a little bit of effort is the opportunity to grow, to get a little bit better as an individual, as a photography business owner, uh, but then ultimately as well. And to Ty's point, take advantage of opportunities to help other photographers, because not only will you benefit them, but you'll be able to grow through that as well. Ty, will you just remind our listeners uh, where they can find you one more time online, your website, social media, so that they can maybe even reach out to you and ask you a few questions? Okay, on Facebook is at Class and Style Productions. On Instagram is class underscore style underscore productions. And our website is classandstyleproductions.com. Cool. And we're going to put all these in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Shout out to Haley, who does all the hard work of, of putting our show notes together, a wealth of information. Listeners, make sure you take advantage of that at bocapodcast.com. Thanks once again, Ty. Thank you. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.